0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Good morning, Fountain of Life, and Merry Christmas. Hope you're doing well this week uh, and feeling some joy in celebrating the reality that God sent his son for you. Uh, This morning, we're going to be finishing our Christmas series by looking at this account from the Gospel of Matthew uh, and seeing just the incredible, incredible miracle that God performed on our behalf. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. That's Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. Let's hear God's word together. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you this morning with many burdens, many troubles, Lord, many fears. Um, But help us to come to you, Lord, with open ears and a soft heart, open eyes to receive from you your word and this incredible promise, Lord, that you have sent Jesus to be with us so that we can be with you, knowing that he is perfectly, uh, exactly who we need. Uh, We thank you for him. We thank you for your word, and we pray that your spirit would do work in us as we hear your word together. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Do you believe in miracles? We're finishing up our Christmas series today and we're looking at Matthew's account of what Christmas are, or excuse me, what Christians are celebrating at Christmas. And here we hear of the most incredible miracle there ever could be. We are hearing that the eternal Son of God, the one who upholds the very universe, the one through whom the universe was made, him, that person, we believe that he has taken on human flesh through a virgin birth. And truly, as you consider this claim, this is the miracle of all miracles, So I want to do three things with you this morning as we ponder this passage. One, let's just see the miracle for what it is. Two, we want to understand the message of the miracle. Miracles always mean something. So we want to understand the message. Three, we want to celebrate the echo of this miracle in our own community. And one way we're going to do that today is to celebrate a baptism. But first, let's See the miracle. And you know, I asked you as we began, do you believe in miracles? And sometimes we hear some things that are hard to believe. We certainly don't want to be gullible people every time we hear a, a fancy story buying in. So we're cynical, and in many ways we should be. But I also think that everyone believes in miracles at some point. You know, maybe you have an, an atheist friend, um, and you know that that view of the world seems to believe that random material causes brought something from nothing, that life came from non life, that complexity came from simplicity, that there's personhood from mere matter, that there's infinite positive mutations occurring without any design, that there's justice and meaning from randomness. Well, that all takes a lot of faith. Those would be incredible miracles without a miracle worker. You know, most people believe in a God of some sort, that that God created the universe. And for for those who believe that, we would have to admit that whoever created existence is mind-blowingly wise and powerful and able to do a miracle if he wished. So I guess my point is this, the issue isn't really whether or not the amazing or the miraculous is possible. The issue is whether or not the miracles we believe in are true. In fact, the deeper issue is whether or not we know the truth that the true miracles teach. But even as I say that, the virgin birth is so incredible that many see it as being just too impossible to believe. I guess we can say that, well, if the virgin birth is hard for skeptics to believe, imagine what it must have been like for Joseph. Can you imagine that conversation? Mary coming to him and saying, I'm pregnant. This is before they're officially together as husband and wife. Joseph has to take that in. Maybe he asked some questions. What happened? Who was it? How can this be? And then Mary comes back with this. Well, an angel came and said that I would be pregnant while still a virgin. And then she might say, and I I am. I'm a virgin. I haven't been with any man, And I'm also pregnant, just like the angel said. I want want to ask you, what would you say if you were Joseph? To put it mildly, that would have been hard to believe. Sometimes we'll hear people say, well, it was easier for ancient people to believe in miracles. You know, now we know better because we have the Internet. Because obviously no one has ever believed anything false from the Internet. Well, Joseph may not have had the internet, but he did know where babies come from, and that's why he was seriously considering legal divorce. He was betrothed to Mary, and in that culture, betrothal was far more serious than our version of engagement. Um, it was a legal agreement There were promises with witnesses, and it was considered as good as being married. So there was this time of betrothal in that culture where the husband would prepare the home, but celibacy was expected. And usually it was a a time period of about a year. Then the community would come and celebrate this wedding, and the couple would then and only then live together as one. So during this time of betrothal, Joseph is considering divorce. Why? Because he just can't believe in this idea of a virgin birth. And we see from the text that Joseph is a righteous man. He's merciful with Mary. He doesn't want her to be publicly shamed. In this culture, being pregnant before you're married was definitely shameful. He doesn't want uh, to publicly shame her, but he does want a wife who will be faithful to him. And yet, as hard as it was for Joseph to believe this story, he did end up believing it. In fact, Joseph would believe it with all his heart when nearly no one else would. And he would believe it to the point where he would embrace Mary as his wife and Jesus as his adopted son. He would even embrace the shame that would come from that situation. We know that there would always be insinuation that Jesus was born illegitimately. Joseph believed this miracle to the point where he even waited to consummate his marriage with Mary until after Jesus was born. Joseph believed in the miracle of the virgin birth. How did this happen? Look at Matthew 1, verses 20. Matthew 1, verse 20. The text tells us, as Joseph considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I really love this language here, this this uh, phrase. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife." Think of what Joseph would have been afraid of at this point. He would have been afraid maybe that Mary's unfaithful or afraid that Mary uh, is a horrible liar or afraid that she's crazy, uh, afraid of what his entire society would think of him, um, afraid of so many things. And the angel comes and says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. We know that this is the same angel who visited uh, Mary. You can read about that in the Gospel of Luke. And it would it would have to be a visit from an angel to convince you of this, wouldn't it? It would have to be something Joseph could not argue with, something that convinced Joseph to the bottom of his heart, and this is exactly what he needs. Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And then the angel also gives Joseph two things to hang on to here. Number 1. He calls Joseph the son Of David. There's a humongous hint in here of what's going on. The angel seems to be saying, this isn't just chaotic happenstance. All of Israel was waiting for the ultimate son of David to come. This is how God is going to keep all his promises to his people and save his people. All the promises of the prophets add up to this moment. And so the angel seems to be saying, hey, Joseph, this this is that moment, right here, this, the, the ultimate son of David, the king, is coming. Moreover, another thing to, for Joseph to rely on, that which is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. The angel's promise is that the Holy Spirit of God, the same third person of our triune God who oversaw the creation of the world, that same God, one God, three persons expressed in the person of the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit has implanted, apart from any human man, implanted life into Mary's womb so that this child will be unique, something different, exactly who we need. Believe this, the angel says, because it's God's work. It's God keeping his promises. And that was enough for Joseph. He believed and he based his life on it. He lived it. And that has been enough for Christians throughout the centuries. This relying on this incredible miracle that God has sent Jesus Christ, his eternal son, to take on human flesh through Mary and her virgin birth. This claim is in the Apostles' Creed, this ancient ancient document defining basics that Christians believe. Look what it says about Jesus. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born... Of the Virgin Mary. A later creed, the Nicene Creed, develops it even further and says this Through him, that's Jesus, all things were made. And for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. This is the ultimate miracle. God has sent his eternal son to take on human flesh through a virgin birth. You know, the Bible doesn't claim miracles to be normal. They're they're not to be expected in everyday life. But God does do them, especially as recorded in his word to wake people up to tell us something, to convince us of something about him and what he's doing. Miracles in the Bible always have a message. And so we need to understand what this miracle means. We need to see, I want to see with you three things now that this miracle means in the, in the message of the miracle. We'll start with here with Matthew 1.22. Look what Matthew says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. To fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This virgin birth didn't come out of nowhere. This wasn't invented on the spot. This is God keeping his promises. This is God fulfilling his promises, making them perfect, bringing them to his desired End. And this, this moment is this culmination of God's plan of salvation coming together. We know that humanity was create, created good but fell into sin. We believe the lie that God's not good, His word's not true. And so we've replaced Him to find our satisfaction, and that has brought every Kind of death. But God, being gracious and wise and sovereign, won't leave his people in this state. And he promised that one would come to save his people and renew all creation. And man, it has seemed like a long time until those promises have come true. So long, such a wait. And so there's questions wondering, God, are you awake? Are you paying attention? Are you faithful? Do you keep your promises? And we see here, oh, the answer that God always keeps his promises, even when it seems to take forever. In fact, he keeps his promises when they seem absolutely impossible. In fact, he keeps them in a way that's better than you first expected. And so the message here of this miracle is that God is faithful. He's faithful. He comes through. Now, if you're a skeptic, I wanna challenge you, dive into the Bible, check out these promises in the biblical record, especially regarding Jesus, what he would be like and when he would come. Count them up, study them. And see, way after way after way after way, in recorded historical documents, God has kept his promises. But I gotta warn you, many people have become Christians through this kind of a study. They find that God is faithful. Another encouragement, if you're suffering, if you're doubting, if you're hurting, gosh, I'd love to talk with you, I'd love to pray with you, but I wanna encourage you right now, God always comes through you know just think of the chaos of this moment for joseph these i don't know how long weeks months where he's dealing with mary's pregnant and how that seems to throw his whole world upside down but then finally to to for him to realize it was god keeping his promises and god was being so good and so kind to him for every christian it'll be like that for us somehow some way it'll be like that for us god keeps his promise The second message of this miracle. The virgin birth here, this miracle means that not only God is faithful, but that in Jesus, God has come. I wanna think with you just for a moment about this specific promise that Matthew says is being fulfilled. Uh, Matthew's referring to something that the Lord had spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, maybe 700 years before Jesus. And in context here, Uh, Ahaz is the king of Judah and he's in the line of David, but he's an idol worshiper. He hates the God of the Bible, rejects him, rebels against him. And politically at this moment, this king is in great danger. He's got other nations uh, plotting together to destroy him and there's really nothing he can do about it. But God, through Isaiah, comes and speaks to Ahaz, even though Ahaz is a mess and rebellious, he's still in the line of David. So God is coming in his faithfulness and saying to him, trust me, not your idols, not your self-sufficiency. In the middle of this problem, you cannot have, trust me and I'll fight for you, God says. And God even takes it to, to such a level where he says, ask for a sign, anything you want. You want me to prove this to you that I'm gonna come through for you? Ask for whatever you want. Look at Isaiah chapter seven, verses nine to 10. This is what the prophet says to Ahaz. If you're not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. So he's saying here, Ahaz, don't hope in your political strength. Don't hope in your your idols. Hope in the God of Israel. That's your strength. And then verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. That means ask for whatever you want. I'll prove it to you. Amazingly, in this context, Ahaz refuses to even ask for a sign that would lead him to faith. He refuses to look to God for salvation. And this rebellious lack of trust in God will, of course, lead to his destruction. Judah will later be destroyed. The Davidic line will later be devastated. But even so, even in the midst of this dark time, and this rebellion of this uh, king of Judah, God will not give up on his plan to save the world through his promised king. And so God says, well, I'm gonna give you a sign anyway. It'll be a sign for the whole world. If you won't believe, others will. Here's the sign, Isaiah mentions it in Isaiah 7:13. He said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Verse 14, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And what's the sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. The ultimate sign that God is for his people that God rescues his people, that he keeps his promises. We're told of a virgin conceiving and bearing a son. And what a son, his name is Emmanuel. That means God with us. So ultimately we see this sign, this will be no normal birth and it'll be no normal child. Isaiah speaks further of this child named Emmanuel In Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, look, this is the kind of person we are to expect. Isaiah writes, "For for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He meets every need of our hearts. Mighty God, he's divine. Everlasting Father, he's the greatest, kindest, strongest ruler. Prince of Peace, he brings us peace. Verse seven, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of, his, of David, see, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So now do you see what Matthew sees? This child born to Mary, he's called Emmanuel. His name means God with us. And it's not just a symbol. In actual point of fact, this little baby born to the Virgin Mary is God with us. So we're staggered by this reality that God has written himself into his own story. He has entered his own creation as part of the creation in order to reclaim his creation. You know, this explains, doesn't it, the uniqueness of Christianity. Um, We say, because the Bible says it, Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to salvation. There's one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. And so many times people say, well, gosh, that sounds That sounds cocky. Why why do you have to say Jesus is the only way? And, And here's a major reason. We know that Jesus is not just another good teacher showing us the way. He's not just another good teacher saying, hey, go do these things. You can do it. You can make it. No, he is the way, the only way, because he is God. He's God. God in the flesh. You know, if that's hard to believe, Let me just remind you that Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection on the third day many, many times. Then he accomplished it and it was seen by hundreds of witnesses. I just, I, I wanna ask, what would it take to convince you that he's the son of God? How about predicting and accomplishing death on a cross and resurrection? He did it. That shows us The virgin birth is God keeping his promise. And the virgin birth means that in Jesus, God has come. We have to deal with this. We have to wear this. If Jesus is just just another good teacher, then he gives you some advice. You can take it or leave it. But if he's God in the flesh, the eternal son of God, then his words and his deeds are not just something to have a glance at over here. They mean everything. They mean everything because God in Jesus has come. The third thing to see is that the virgin birth shows us that God through Jesus will save us from our sins. Look at Matthew chapter one, verse 21. The message from the angel was, Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I love the, the uh, solidity of that comment. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to save his people. It's interesting to note, he didn't say he'll teach his people how to improve themselves. Um, he didn't say he's gonna try to save his people, but we're not sure if he's up to it. No, he said he will save his people from their sins. And here we learn, don't we, that his people are those who know they need to be saved from their sins. Do you know that? Do you realize that this miracle is occurring because God had to come and save us because we're so helpless when it comes to saving ourselves? Salvation had to come from outside. No normal human can save himself or anyone else from that matter from this destruction because we're sinners. We've rebelled against God. We don't like him or want him. We don't want to submit to him. We don't want to love him. We don't keep our own standard, much less his. And we're under his just displeasure. We cannot atone for what we have done. We cannot fix it. And I think, honestly, our hearts know that. Remember the things you don't want anybody else to know. And remember that God, he definitely knows. Who can save you? Who can make you right with God? Who can earn your forgiveness? Who can accomplish your forgiveness? Who can align you to what life is really all about? Only Jesus Christ. And that's why Don't you see? That's why he became human. He became human to save his people from their sins. You see, we needed a human to represent us. And so Jesus Christ lives out the divine righteousness of his father in heaven as he outlasts every temptation and is always obedient in every way to the law of God. And through faith in him, his righteousness, his perfection will be accounted to his people who trust in him. We needed a savior who has the real and true humanity of his mother Mary and therefore can represent us and die for our sins on a cross so that that death could earn and accomplish the complete forgiveness of all his people who will trust In him. Jesus alone can save because he's the only one who is one person in two natures truly human, so that he can represent humanity, and truly God, so that he can pay the eternal debt for sin that his people owe. He will save his people from their sins. He rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death. He's saving, he's transforming his people now by grace alone, through faith alone. One day he'll return to judge and renew the world. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I just wonder if maybe somebody's asking, how do, how do I get that? How do I get it to where Jesus and who he is saves me? I want to encourage you to read your Bible. I want to encourage you to read, maybe, maybe read Romans chapter three, but I, I, just, I want you to know if you're thinking that, that the way uh, the person and who, of Jesus and who he is and what he's done is, is applied to you, is, a, is counted to you, is that you would just put your faith in him that you would turn from these other kings, these other idols, these other things you're living for, and you'd lay them aside and you'd turn, you'd repent and you'd turn to him and look to him, talk to him, tell him, say, I'm giving up on that. I wanna trust in you. I trust in who you are, God with us, God with me. I trust in your perfect life. I trust in your cross, your resurrection. I'm leaning on you. I'm banking on you to save me. I wanna belong to you. If you trust in him, Here's the incredible, incredible message. Jesus didn't just come to save sinners, he came to save you. He came to save me. You know, we're seeing the miracle of the virgin birth that God through the Holy, the God the Holy Spirit would implant Jesus Christ in Mary so that the eternal son of God would take on human nature. And we're seeing what it means. God keeps his promises that Jesus is God in the flesh, that Jesus saves his people from their sins. Now I want to celebrate the, era, the echo of that miracle. Just remember his name, Matthew 1, They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Are you a little amazed that God wants to be with you? that he reconciles us to himself, that through the cross of Christ, his attitude towards us is no longer wrath, but love. And that through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as we trust him, our attitude towards him is no longer hostility, but submission, surrender, satisfaction in him. And consider the lengths then that God has gone to so that we can be with him and he with us. To bring, him to, to bring us to himself, it's the sending of his son who was born from a virgin. It's just overwhelming. It's outstanding. And this is his motive that we would be with him, that he would be with us. You know, isn't that in a way what baptism signifies? A baptism is this sacrament that Jesus Christ gave to the church to signify what has happened in our hearts through Jesus and what he's done. But the reality here is that through faith in Jesus Christ, God unifies us to his very son. We're so intimately connected with Jesus Christ to the point that his death was our death. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and as you trust in him, that death was your death to your old life of sin and death and rebellion. The water signifies that dying was Christ. Moreover, as Jesus rose from the dead, we are united to him in his resurrection. That shows us that we're gonna have a new mind and a new heart to love God and his ways and to grow in being like Christ in our character and in how we live. It's transformation to new life and really it's the eternal life happening now. That just as we're raised to a transformed life, one day, just as Jesus rose physically and bodily, we will too when Jesus comes back because we are so intimately with him. So the drying off signifies that new resurrection life. Baptism signifies the miracle of God with us because God changes hearts. Hearts that didn't care for him at all become hearts that love him. Hearts that were prideful and self autonomous become hearts that are surrendered and trusting. And so we see, friends, that every single Christian is a miracle. It's an echo of the same kind of miracle as the virgin birth where God came to be with us. As the, it's an echo of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God would come and act in order to keep his promises to save his people. Celebrate that today. We're gonna celebrate that in baptism this morning. And if you are a Christian and you have been baptized, celebrate that today. It's the echo of the miracle that God came to save you. So we're wrapping it up this morning. This Christmas, we've been celebrating that theme from Revelation, how Jesus is both a lion and the lamb. Lion truly, how do you see him as a lion today? Truly creator God. God the second person of the Trinity. And how do you see him as a lamb? Becoming truly human, born of a virgin, born to die so that he might save his people, that we might be together with him. That is something to celebrate this Christmas. Celebrate the miracle that God has gone to these lengths so that he can be with us, that we can be with him through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible love that you would give your son. And Lord Jesus, we worship you for coming and becoming flesh, becoming weak, becoming killable, hateable, and you did it to save us from our sins. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you implanted the eternal Son into the Virgin Mary so that we could have a representative who would save us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for changing our hearts so that we would look to Christ and trust in him. Thank you for this miracle of our salvation. We pray it would continue to echo in our lives, in and through us, and that it would be our joy and our peace this Christmas season. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, church. Hope you have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.